It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And I am Don Crawford, Jr., the co-host and very grateful owner of KAAM Radio, Welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, honestly and hopefully honorably seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And my co-host, my partner, my very good friend is with me, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. I cut my finger making lunch the other day, and it bled all afternoon, and it still hurts. And uh, so there's that. I am told I might have pink eye, to be honest with you, Mike. So there's lots of things going on with me right now, to be really honest with you. But it doesn't affect my ability to do this great show. And I guess we need to keep our distance still because I think pink eye is contagious. What do you think? Well, I think that the older you get, the more likelihood of disability. Uh, that <laughs> be a topic for another show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the candor of, of where I'm at right now. But um Let's talk about the program today. You wanted to address something regarding estate planning for the audience. Yeah, you know, a lot of times people think about, as we get closer to time, it made me think about income taxes, but it made me think about a lot of misconceptions that people have about taxes, either during life or at death. Uh, and I thought that I should uh, talk about that just because there's some simple things that a lot of people may or may not know. And um, so I thought I should go over some of those basics because it's these questions that I get all the time that that people um, are ill-informed about. Well, that is a so, love-hate issue for sure because people love to talk about it because they hate taxes so much, I think. I don't know too many people who like to pay taxes, so I'm glad you're going to address that today. Yeah. So the first thing is because, you know, a lot of times um, people have – so there's different types of situations. Once, you know, when you're alive um, – what happens uh, when you die, and then what about taxes for your beneficiaries? So three different kinds of areas where there could be a tax on your estate planning uh, document, or not sorry, documents, but on on your estate. So let's kind of talk about that. First of all, if you're alive, let's say you have a revocable living trust. Now a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't want to get a revocable living trust because then I need a new." tax ID number, tax ID number. But when you have total control of your assets, then the IRS says, oh, well, that's still yours. So when you have a revocable trust, then you use your social security number. Now, even some irrevocable trust, if there are elements of control, like the right to income or the right to change beneficiaries, or the right, there's different things that you have in the trust that even if it's an irrevocable trust, there are certain irrevocable trusts that will have your social security number if that's what you want. 
So let's say you wanted to have credit protection, you wanted to, and you wanted to put assets into an irrevocable trust, but you wanted to have the right to owe income only, then the uh, the trust for tax purposes would be treated as uh, yours for income tax purposes, but um, uh, although you had credit protection. Or sometimes people do it in different ways where you don't have the income but have other things uh, where it would be use your Social Security number. So, And the reason for that is as opposed to a, getting a tax ID number in a typical irrevocable trust is that a typical irrevocable trust where there's no elements of control would have its own tax ID number. But in those trusts, the trust tax rate is a higher income tax rate. So, But most people think of trust, they think of revocable trust, and you use your Social Security number. So, uh, so it's not... So that shouldn't be an obstacle. Okay. The next thing is on gifts. Gifts. A lot of people think about gifting and think that that would be an issue on how much you can give. A lot of people still think, oh, I could give up to $10,000 a year per person, and there's not reportable uh, to the IRS. Uh, actually, that number has gone up to $16,000 as of January 1st. It went from 10 to 11 to 12 to 13 to 14 to 15 last year. It was 15 last year and the last few years, for that matter. And now it's 16000 because of inflation. Now, you say a lot of people, a lot of the kids always think, oh, I'm going to get taxed on that gift by getting that money. And the answer is no. There's no tax there. And even if you make a gift of more than 16000 it's really not a gift tax. But you do have a duty to report to the IRS to the extent that it exceeded the annual exclusion limit of $16,000 a year per person. So the, how much can you give at your death or life, rather? It's the same amount as you could give at death. And what is that amount right now? $12,060,000. So let's say you gave away $12,016,000 to one individual. Not that I know that many people who want to do that, but uh, but I know that you said that you'd be a willing recipient. Yes. But in any event, <laughs> you could technically do that, and there, assuming that you hadn't made any gifts in any priors that were excessive limit, you could it's just taking them out off the amount that you give at death. So if somebody gave $12 million, the limit, $12 million, 16, $12 million over the $16,000 limit, that they could only give away sixty during the remainder of their life that exceeds the annual exclusion limit or 60000 at their death, unless it goes up in value, uh, the assets, the estate tax limit, which it goes up every year. Last year, it was $11,700,000, uh, although it should be mentioned that it's going to be going down to one half of whatever the figure is at the end of 2025. Uh, so the, the amount that you give at death will be different than now. However, they're going to grandfather you. So if you, some people have larger estates, then um, they may be making more gifts to get around that um, uh, amount that you give at death uh, until the law changes. So not that many people are that wealthy that they want to do that, however. Right. It's always fascinated me. You've told me this over the years, and I I find it amazing that the beneficiary, the recipient of the gift, the amount of money we're talking, whether it's $500 or or $55 million, whatever the amount, that they they don't pay the taxes. But what if you exceed the limit? Then who pays? Oh, the one who makes the gift is the one who has to pay the gift tax. Regardless. This goes back. 
So it's not, and that's what a lot of people do have a misconception because they think whoever receives the money right. has to pay the right. tax. Now, the person who receives the money, let's say they invested in a CD or mm-hmm. stocks or got dividends, and they're going to have to pay just like anybody uh, on the income that's received from the sure. from the after you got the principal. Uh, so if it makes money, well, it's your asset, so you have to pay taxes on the interest or dividends. But initially, but to, it's tax free. That's right. So wow. it's not so bad. So it's not so bad as people might think. Now the donor has the duty, which is also the thing that, like you just mentioned, is the misconception, is that uh, they think that if anybody has to pay a tax, it'd be the one who receives it, not mm-hmm. the one who gives it. However, the actual law is the one who's responsible for any potential gift tax is the donor, the one who makes the gift, not the one who receives the gift. This goes back to way back when for, let's say, the Rockefellers or whomever, that what they wanted to do to reduce the size of their estate, they would make gifts to different generations so that it it passed down generations so that they wouldn't have to pay estate tax. And then what ended up happening, uh, since originally there was an estate tax, but there was no gift tax, so they tried to kind of say, well, now we're going to do this tax for those people who are making the gifts so they won't do that. Uh, At one point, they didn't have – it wasn't unified. In other words, um, the the gift tax amount and the amount that you give at death were not the same. In fact, there was talk on the last – you know, this last legislative session that at the end of 2021, uh, they were talking about saying, well, you know what? What we're going to do is you can only give away a million dollars as opposed to the 12 million. Uh, and and any gifts in excess of the million would be subject to gift tax to the donor, but that didn't pass. Uh, so, the, but that was one of the things that they. So, in other words, they were going to not have it unified anymore, where it matches the amount they give at death during li- as well as at life. Uh, so that didn't happen, though. Okay. All right. So the next thing that that people don't realize again is how much can you. When you die, well, we just talked about it. Right now, the limit's twelve million sixty thousand. So, again, uh, a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm going to get hammered." Let's say you're a beneficiary. I'm going to get hammered. My um, parent gave me five million dollars of real estate or stock or whatever. Well, guess what? You there's not going to be tax when you receive that inheritance. Mm-hmm. At least in te- at least in Texas. Now, okay. other states have state estate taxes or state inheritance taxes. So it depends on the state that you live. Uh, Texas has been very good in fact that there is no state estate tax or state uh, in, uh, inheritance tax like some states do. Again, we encourage, we're more of a uh, tax-friendly state in that respect. So um, so now you, if there was something, if somebody had, let's say you had a revocable trust, uh, and the tr- and then you die. You're an individual that had a revocable trust. After you die, well, first of all, until you die, uh, let's say somebody died in the middle of 2022, that person would have to pay uh, income tax uh, on their at their individual rate, even if it was an irrevocable trust, of course, because as I said before, if you have control, then it's taxed to the person who has control. Well, and that, but then when after you die. It becomes what? Irrevocable. You can't make changes. You can't revoke or amend a trust after you die. So as a result, it becomes irrevocable at that point. Or let's say you die, you had a will, 
and um, your the assets become part of your estate. Well, there might be an estate income tax on the income to the estate, whether it's a, a trust that becomes irrevocable or an estate. Once after you die, it's no longer your income, it's income belonging to the estate. And so the estate may have to pay income tax on until the estate is settled. So if you have a revocable trust that became irrevocable until it's fully distributed, there would be income uh, that would be taxed to the trust at the trust tax rate at that time or to the estate, which would be similar in that respect, which is a compressed tax rate. In other words, the um, on income that exceeds, let's say, 13000 roughly $700 a year, the income tax on uh, would be at a 37% income tax rate, whereas an individual uh, might not have uh, a 37% income tax rate until you reach about $445,000. So, you would, in other words, you want to settle the estate uh, as quickly as possible so that the income tax on the estate or the trust would uh, only be for a limited period of time. You know, Michael, it makes sense. I get why they do that. It is income. It should be taxed like everything else, basically, in the world. Um, but my goodness, when you said 37%, I almost fell off my chair. Yeah. And then it, it could, you know, and I think in 2026, it's supposed to go up, I think, to 39.6% as possible. Wow. So it could even be more. And that's what the estate tax limit on people who have larger estates is, is this roughly 40%. On, you know, if you had a real large estate, more than the estate tax limit, I just told you twelve million sixty thousand. So that's a pretty hefty tax. And so that's why a lot of people do different types of planning to reduce or eliminate that tax. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you do the, of course, that would be on the income tax return. Uh, that would be um, a what's called a form, you know, 1041. Mm-hmm. I'm not an accountant, but the you know how your individual returns to 1040. Uh, so when you when it becomes um, irrevocable, you have an estate income tax. That's a 1041. Now, if you have an estate tax, then that would be let's say somebody had a large estate, then that would be a form 706. Form 706. Now, a lot of times, sometimes even if you have a, a an estate that's less than the limit. Let's say your limit. Let's say the limit has gone down in 2026 to roughly seven million, which is what was anticipated. And let's say you're married and you had a six million dollar estate. Well, you may file an estate tax return, even though if there's no uh, estate tax return due, because it may it may go up in value. And if that that surviving spouse had an estate that was greater than the limit because of appreciation, then the heirs would um, get it at the whatever the excess over that limit, they, they would have to pay uh, that uh, high estate tax rate. So you could, uh, within nine months after the person dies, if you think that that's a possibility, you would take advantage of what's called portability and use the unused credit so that the you could basically double the exemption. So if so, even some people, even if they don't have a taxable state, but they have you know some millions, but lower than the limit, and as anticipated, it'll go down in 2026, if not sooner, uh, then you could fi- uh, file a uh, an estate tax return on that 706 to. 
uh, take advantage of that portability so you could uh, have less estate taxes for when the second spouse dies. Okay. Makes perfect sense. What else about taxes can you tell us? Well, you know, we talked about gifting, but there is another issue, and that is the what's called a step-up in basis. Remember earlier that we said, oh, I could give away $12 million of assets during, uh, you know, during my life if I wanted to. But what if some of those assets appreciated? Well, the donee, the one who receives the gift, takes the basis of what the original person bought the asset for uh, as their basis if it was given to them during life. But if they inherit, then then they get the values of the date of death. So this is a – a lot of people might think, well, man, this is a great um, – this is a great thing. This is a great old loophole, I suppose, that you could have uh, because you say, wow, um, if I just hold it. So I was talking to some clients just um, this week that I was saying, look, uh, you know, you got this property that you're going to give to your kids. Uh, you don't want to give it to them during their lifetime because if you did, all that appreciation, when they sell the property, they would have to pay capital gains tax on the value, the difference between what it is that you bought it for and when they sold it. But if they, if you held that piece of property, in this case, until you die, then they'll get the values of the date of death and will only have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation from after you die. And by the way, Texas is a community property state, which means that if you're married, the, um, the surviving spouse gets a full step up in basis to the value uh, as of the after the first one dies, where in other states that are not community property states, they may only get half of the appreciation. Okay. So it's kind of an interesting thing going from state to state, although I'm only licensed in Texas, just to let you know, so um, I can't speak for any particular state. Yeah, the step up in basis is excellent news, too. Sounds uh, very fair. And, um, you know, these are Texas laws Michael's talking about. They're, they don't necessarily count in other states, um, but it still is, is complicated information, uh, and no one wants to pay one penny more than they have to when it comes to taxes. And uh, this is why, or this is just another reason as to why you should attend Michael's next workshop, which is Tuesday, March the 1st at 1 o'clock. And these workshops, they're online. They have been online for two years now, ever since COVID struck. So they're not in person. They're via Zoom. It's click, click, and you're there. You don't have to show up uh, where people can see you. You can just do the audio portion of the workshop. Michael will go around the Zoom room and ask questions after he makes a brief presentation. And you can ask particular questions about your individual circumstances, and Michael will dutifully and expertly answer each one of those to the best of his abilities, always telling you when he doesn't know, which is very rare. And you will leave that workshop, at least electronically. You never have to get up from your couch to attend it. But when it's over, you'll say to yourself, I'm really glad I attended. So, Michael, walk us through what happens at those workshops. Well, as you said, we ask people what they want to know. They tell me whatever their questions are. We will have a brief presentation or a presentation. Uh, and then we answer the questions either throughout the workshop. We call it a workshop because we we want people to interact and tell me, you know, whatever questions they may have even during the workshop. Uh, so it's a workshop, not a seminar. And then um, we proceed to answer the questions, just as you said. Um, and it's a two hours. It's free. Uh, I think you're going to 
learn something. The time will fly by, and I think you'll have some fun along the way, and you're going to learn something from what the questions are of other individuals. Each workshop's different because we never know what questions that people are going to ask. And also, we give a, one more freebie, and that is that if you do go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, even if we didn't answer your questions as detailed as you like, or maybe you wanted to have something and talk to me in private, we give a free one-hour vision meeting only to those people who attend the workshop. So basically, you get three free hours, no obligation uh, to review your own plan to make sure that you take care of your loved ones the way you want under your own terms and conditions or see whatever questions that may be that you have to ask. It could be about long-term care, Medicaid, veterans benefits, probate, uh, besides the estate planning that we've been talking about a little bit here today. So it's really, we never know. It's really kind of funny. Uh, the last two workshops, one of them, most of the questions were about estate planning. Um, the one before that, um, was all about Medicaid, but most people uh, asked about Medicaid. So you never know what people are going to ask. Usually it's kind of a combination of either elder law or state planning issues, uh, but you never know. I have no idea what the questions are going to be, but we proceed to answer those, and you're going to learn something from, uh, from, you know, just like I hope that some of these things that uh, you may learn something about here today, uh, a lot of this stuff is pretty basic that we've been talking about, but you know, a lot of people are not familiar. For example, like you said, like if somebody makes a gift, it's not the one who receives the gifts that's the one who makes the gift that they were not aware of that would be subject to either doing having a gift tax or at least filing a gift tax return. Right. So, Perfect. That makes sense. Um, if you want to attend Michael's next workshop. That is Tuesday, March the 1st at 1 o'clock, dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. You can also get Michael's monthly newsletter, which is very insightful and helpful for anybody who is looking to um, create an estate plan or change theirs, government assistance, you name it, in that area, in those two areas, Michael is certainly knowledgeable and I think exceptional when it comes to either one of those. And then, of course, you can get his podcast and download any of his programs that he's done over the years. Again, 214-720-0102 or go to DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael, just a few minutes left. You talked about Texas and how great the state is in many ways. Um, tell us what the worst or, or maybe the top two or three worst states in the country are when it comes to state taxes and why they're so bad? Well, I can't speak for everybody. I'm not licensed in other states, but a lot of the, um, some of the eastern states, and of course in California, uh, is always uh, known for if you breed, you get taxed probably. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I always, you know, it's like the old story about, uh, that I think I told once on the air before about a friend of my father-in-law's who called me up from, California and said, you know, Michael, I want some tips about estate planning. I have, uh, I want to see if I could reduce or eliminate estate tax. Um, and I have a taxable estate. And he said, uh, I said, yeah, uh, I have something very important to tell you. Do you have a pen and paper? And he said, yeah. You, are you ready? Yes. Yeah. I said, okay, move from California, move to Texas. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. I mean, basically they, they have, uh, you know, state, 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 they may have a state uh, income tax, you know, a lot of states have state state taxes. I don't know all the different taxes that they have in each state, so I can't tell you which one is the absolute worst. But a lot of times, um, different eastern states, but not all, 
uh, of course. You know, I, I told you how, and, and I know that you're, you grew up in Pennsylvania originally, and, and how sometimes the laws there were kind of tough on various things, but I can't speak for any other state. Uh, so um, I, if you do move to another state, I think I suggest that you talk to either an accountant or an attorney in that state to see what their particular situation is. But we're very good here. I guess the only thing that's bad here is property taxes. But Right. I'll take that any day. My, um, I guess when I moved to Texas 15, 16 years ago, uh, I got here as quickly as possible. But I guess some people are going to say I died here as quickly as possible because this is the place to die because taxes are not onerous like they are in California. But I did live in California for 20 years, and my best friend in San Diego, who is an attorney as well, indicated to me um, that they are now going to create a move tax, speaking of moving. And that is if you leave California and go to another state, you're going to have to pay taxes anyway, uh, regardless of where you move. And it's almost like a punishment or penalty for leaving the state. Yeah, I'm not surprising. They come up with all sorts of different types. That's why I said you must have a tax for breathing over there because they seem like they tax you for everything. And, and, and of course, we know a lot of Californians have moved to Texas uh, yep. uh, as well as other states. Uh, in addition, I know Idaho and uh, probably Utah, et cetera. But uh, we know uh, that a lot of Californians have moved here. And especially with the pandemic, too, where you, a lot of people working remotely, that you could obviously work anywhere, uh, and it, it's a lot less expensive to live here than mm-hmm. it is in, let's say, California. Yep, you can buy twice a home, moving from New York, Illinois, California, you name it. So they're coming, and we just have to be prepared for the benefits and perhaps the liabilities. But with, Michael, two minutes left, what is the uh, moral of the story regarding taxes? Well, I think, it, first of all, it's not as bad as a lot of people think. Um, you know, the, on the estate tax, a lot of times if you're in control, well, first of all, in the income tax area, if you're in control, it's still at your individual rate, even if you have uh, the trust that's drafted in a proper manner that you retain control. As far as at death, uh, the, the good news is most people won't pay an estate tax, at least here in Texas, because most people's estate is less than... Twelve million sixty thousand. Uh, the only thing we hadn't had a chance to talk about was really the, the what would be a tax that the beneficiaries could have if they have, uh, let's say, an IRA. They have to, if, unless it meets five exceptions, they're going to have to take um, income, have income from the IRA when you take out the distributions. And unless they're disabled or chronically ill or less than the age of majority. Uh, or unless it's, uh, let's say, a sibling that's less than 10 years or a spouse, then you're going to have to take out that IRA within 10 years. So there'll be higher income taxes for taking out the IRA. Uh, Or if you have the assets go into a trust for the benefit of the uh, beneficiary because the beneficiary you want to protect from creditors or bad marriages or spouses or marrying, again, there's the compressed tax rate because the trust is irrevocable. So there's a few different things that, even though there would not be any estate tax, there could be income tax uh, that issues for the individual. So there are two workshops in March, early March and later March. Sign up for either one by dialing 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, go to Dallas elderlawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Our elder lawyer, Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I t-
Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.